Okay. Deuteron- <laughs> Deuteronomy 25 is where we are today. And um, it's, we're going to do, there, there's some interesting stuff in here today. So if there is a dispute between men and they come into the court and the judge decides between them, acquitting the innocent and condemning the guilty, then if the guilty man deserves to be beaten, the judge shall cause him to lie down and be beaten in his presence with a number of stripes in proportion to his offense. Forty stripes may be given, but not more, lest if one should go on to beat him with more stripes than these, your brother be degraded in your sight. In other words, there's a limit on, on the punishment, and the judge can't shame him by, you know, you I'm giving 80 lashes because I don't like you. You know, it's, it's and, and if he does that, you know, if, if he deserves, and again, these are adults, these are adults who know better, you got to imagine, considering there are a lot of offenses that are, you pay, you know, if you steal, you pay back triple. I mean, they're, they're pretty practical. You got to kind of wonder what they've done that they're worthy of 40 lashes, and it's got to be pretty heinous. Not quite something that's bad enough to be specifically spelled out, but something really. I just sometimes wish our judicial system would have changed. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was. Disagree with I don't know. I think 40 lashes compared to what happens to most people in prison might be something they would trade for. Maybe. No, I'm just thinking of all the things I did not get caught for that I but could you were, have been caught for. But you were, you were a minor. This would not have been applied oh, to minors. See? There we go. Yeah. The, this would have been, this would have been to, to, uh, by 18, to adults. I might have been dragged out to the gates, but... <laughs> yeah, but even then, like I said, it, it never happened, and we've seen, like, uh, you know, um, um, not Samuel, but Eli's sons were, were not stoned. You know, I mean, some might argue that that might have been better for them, but it's, you know, the, the, the goal being, I mean, I would think that for 40 stripes, you've done something pretty heinous that is not quite worthy of death and not quite specific enough to, to apply to some other crime, but, um, but no more than 40. And so there is a limitation on it. And this is one of those things, you know, I, I, I've, I've always maintained, especially when it comes to the issue of, of you know, trying to apply certain verses to children uh, for parenting, those verses that are used, there are no boundaries on them. And the actual times that God says, and, and God doesn't say, you know, you, you must beat him. You, mu- you must lash him 40 times. He's saying, if that's what you deem is the appropriate response, here's a limit I'm putting on it. You may not do it more than this. And, and that's not present in any of those other verses that are often applied to children. And, and without that application, most people will say, well, it says if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. To which I say, well, they, there have been children who've died, so that can't possibly mean that. And that's a really... The idea that in a proverb, God has made you a promise that no matter how hard or how often you beat your child with a giant stick, they won't die because you're doing what he wants, is kind of a flimsy defense when your kid is dead. And, and there are no boundaries God puts on that. And yet when, when in, the oper- in the areas where he even says you may do this, he says, but here's a limit. Here's a limit. You can't do it more than this. You can't do it more than this. So in... 40, not degrading. 41, degrading. Degrading. Really interesting. Hmm. Yes. Yes. I 
think any is degrading personally. Well, yeah. yes, but there there is somewhat a, a you know there and there are people in our you know there are people around us who are much more justice minded and want that you know I need to see that something is done and if the judge is so inclined you know I I would yeah really though I would really wonder what you have to do for 40 stripes. But uh, verse 4, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. What? <laughs> when, That's out in the blue? Yeah, it, it feels like it. Um, when an ox is working, the, the animal is supposed to be allowed to eat from what they're pulling. They're, oh, they're, they're doing the, the harvesting. They're allowed to eat. Okay. So, so what, what God's saying is, you cannot take an animal and make it strictly a machine that works for you. You have to treat it with, with you know, you have to treat it humanely. You have to, to it, you have to honor. Let it eat while it works. Yeah, let it eat while it works. You can't make it just work for you. It's not just about your profit. The whole process has to be honoring, which, which I think there's a lot of application. And I, I, I like a lot of the things that are going on right now in, in different green companies that are trying to get back to working within how nature works and, and making sure the animals are, I mean, if you, can't, if you can't muzzle an ox when it's treading out the grain, I think that our entire modern uh, you know, dairy and, and meat systems uh, fall so, I mean, they maybe deserve 40 lashes. I mean, this is... <laughs> they, they need the 41. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they, I mean, that is beyond muzzling, you know, while they work. The, the fact that they keep cows pregnant and take the babies away you know, to get milk. I mean, it's just, there, there's not a lot of, of kindness. There's not a lot of humanity in what goes on. And, and God, God created the animals too. And, and they're not here just purely for our benefit, you know, to figure out how much can we get from them. It's, it, there's, there's care that has to be given also. So. Oh, that might be him. Okay, can you go talk to him? If brothers, <laughs> if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. What if she doesn't want him? Um... I would, I mean, I would assume because the right is hers, she would be able to refuse. I mean, it doesn't say, you know, he's to go in and force himself on her and violate her, but she has the, she has the right to children, and if her husband dies unable to do that, then, then it's, it stays. And I like how it says if, if they dwell together, meaning, and I'm going to, I'm going to actually well, if you continue that. reading, it says he has a choice that he doesn't he doesn't want to take her. But it doesn't say anything about. No, he doesn't choice. have a choice. No, he does. Mm -mm. And if the man does not wish to take the brother's wife, then there, yeah, we'll go to that because it's it's well, not. Then he has a choice. Well, you always have a choice. I know, but it spells out his choice. It doesn't spell out her choice. Right, but we'll yet. we'll yeah we'll get we'll get to that, that in a I second. Would not want to my brother's husband. My well, husband's okay. Brother. Yes. <laughs> Very much would not want my husband's brother. Yeah. And I don't have any um, sons, so, you know. Well, and there is, yeah, it, okay, 
this, this is the thing. When brothers dwell together, so they were both alive at the same time, if however the younger brother was born, after the older one died, the commandment of the Leverite marriage, or Leverite marriage um, does not apply. Um, so they, they, they're there, they have, yeah, she, yeah, she, I would assume that she has the right to say no, because otherwise that would be rape. And, um, and there is, there is a process for if the man doesn't want to, but we'll, we'll get to that. So if brother, so if they dwell together, um, her husband's brother has an obligation to her basically. And the first son whom she bears shall, shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. Um, that's what Boaz does with Ruth. Their, their first child is, is the, the legacy for Naomi and not, not for them. Um, and, if the, and if the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him, and if he persists, saying, I do not wish to take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she, and she shall answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And, and the sandal mean, being the... Um, the sandal being their, their pledge, you know, the, had he fulfilled the commandment, he says he would have demonstrated his desire to keep his brother spiritually alive, but now that he spurned the opportunity, it is as if his brother is now irrevocably dead. To symbolize that, he should now grieve for the loss he has caused. The widow removes his leather shoe, which is a symbol of mourning, and spits on the, says it spits on the ground in front of him. So she doesn't like literally, but that, you know, that when you see in, in different, I don't know if you've seen movies, a lot like where they do the evil eye spit or whatever. So spits on the ground in front of him. Um, it's a spits in his face. Yeah, but meaning like right, like, and Thank you. probably not hawking a loogie. Much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as a symbol of contempt, and it's in front of it's a, it's in front of everybody. And uh, so, and the name of his house shall, uh, and the name of his house shall be called in Israel the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. So it's really not a good thing. Um, Crystal, yeah, is that is that like hence the story with Tamar, like because they didn't yes. want to get her pregnant because they were like, well, the child's not gonna be mine anyway; it's gonna be my brother. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely, and um, which is why when you know he got caught, literally with his pants down. You know, the father was like, oh, yeah, that she had that right. Okay, you know, no harm, no foul. You know, <laughs> we fulfilled our obligation. Um, so when men fight with one another and the wife of the one draws near to rescue her husband from the hand of him who is beating him and puts out her hand and seizes him by the private parts, <laughs> then you shall cut off her hand. Your eye shall... <laughs> Wow. So it, if Dewan gets in a fight with somebody and you jump in to try and help him and you grab another guy's privates, your hand will be cut off. So if she tries to save her husband. So if she tries to save her husband by grabbing his junk, 
That's she right. Lose her hand. She would lose her hand. I like Tanya. You, you got this. You got good, this. Right? You take I care know of you're this. You're on the ground getting your ass. Yeah. Hand, but we yeah. Were, oh, sorry. No, I'm and, firing on the recording. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. It's okay. This and this is interesting. This is what they say: penalty for embarrassing another. It says in the above case, a widow is justified in humiliating the brother who disdained her husband's honor. But now the Torah hastens to state that generally it is wrong to shame another person. If a woman tries to help her husband by embarrassing someone else, she must pay a financial penalty to the victim. This is the source of the rule that, is, that assailants are fined for the embarrassment that they cause, in addition to damages and other costs. Um, she pays with her hand. Well, it's a lot of times, and keeping in mind, a lot of times these things are translated into financial amounts. Um, it, it was really interesting. In, a, in the history, a history documentary that we were watching about the Middle Ages, there in, an, in a courtroom, they, they had found like a, like a picture of a body, and there were financial numbers, you know, pointing at everything. And so, if we're fighting and I injure your arm in some way, then the judge would look at the cost of the arm, and that's what I would have to pay you. And so, it's it's like that. The, that's how it was kind of taken for an eye for an eye. In other words, if I if I and this is kind of how we do in our courts with the insurance today. Okay. If you're I, I, injured, I then what, insurance... I can see where you're going with that, but when you read this on the surface, the way it's right. it makes it sound like how you complain about um, gender stereotypes so much. Be a man. Well, it if is. If you're not, you know... Well, woman, it is. Don't dare a woman step in and unmanhood you. Well, no, no, because... she's going to pay a penalty for it. Well, hold on, hold on. That's it, the way it makes it seem. But this... This is well. First of all, first of all, it doesn't say does. anything about if she jumps in to help him. It, it says if, if she, she jumps, jumps in to help him and grabs his private, the other guy's private parts, which shames him. It's it's a degrading <laughs> thing. So, we well, can, that, can I that would take be the his best. private parts. Is that okay? But I'm sorry. <laughs> Probably I mean, not. For, for a woman to stop a man, that might be the best course of action. She could eye gouge. Well, and it goes on to say, though, it goes on to say... It makes it seem that way to me. Well, it says, the case is that a woman seeking to save her husband grabs the private parts of his opponent. If she had no other recourse and her husband was in mortal danger, she would have been justified in doing anything necessary to save him. This penalty applies only if what she did was uncalled for, according um, to Or Haim. So... And, and the, you, you shall cut off her hand. The sages derive exegetically that this is a figurative expression for a financial penalty, according to Rashi. Since the funds for this payment generally would come from money she had earned by working, it is as if the hand that bought, brought her the money is cut off. So basically, if, if you, you know, if my husband just gets in a fight, like, if it's a barroom brawl and somebody offended my husband or my husband offended somebody and they're going at it and I jump in to have his back and, and I grab the other guy's private, I have escalated the situation and, and brought shame on the other man and really brought shame on my husband. When you jump in because you, you give the world the idea that somebody else, you know, that the person can't take care of it for themselves. Good luck. And, yeah. and the same... <laughs> but that could be one scenario. It could be all of a sudden he's just getting thump, thump, thump. I better step in and stop this guy or he's going to kill him. Well, that, if it's actual mortal danger, she doesn't. Have, there's no penalty. If you're saving your husband's life, you can jump in and do whatever to stop the other guy. But if they're just fighting and you step in and insert yourself in the situation and try to help him by grabbing the other guy's junk, then, then you've, you've escalated and you've shamed both people and yourself and you, you need to, you know, 
I you need to pay. Be a fair tag team. <laughs> Thanks for having my. It'd be like a buddy jumping in and help. Thanks for having my back, dude. Yeah, well, if she jumps in and doesn't grab his junk, that would work. If she punches him, they're fine. So she went for the low blow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's not allowed. I just yeah. As long as I don't grab the guy's junk, we're good. Yeah. So <laughs> it says your eye shall have no pity. You shall not have. Okay. And, and so this, this becomes, this is really important. Okay, you shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who act dishonestly, are an abomination to the Lord your God. So in other words, if I am selling you a certain amount of grain, for a certain amount of shekels, yeah, I'm not allowed to tip the scales so that I sell you less grain but make it look like the full amount. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's like at the grocery store. It's why we still have the, the Department of Weights and Measures goes in and makes sure that their scales on their registers are not overcharging us. Or like at the gas pump, that there's people who go in and make sure that yep. what's coming out is actually how it's registering so that, that you're not... Yeah. yeah, but I mean, they, they go to, I mean, that, that's yes, important. To, to we want sure it to be. Bump, when you're spending so money for a gallon of gas, you got a gallon of gas. Right. You know, and that nobody's leaning on the weight to make it look like there's a lot more grain my there. Right, the right. I've put it down and my pinky pushing. You know, it's, so, so he, in other words, deal fairly with one another. You know, you, you need to, <coughs> and I, and I, there's, you know, I love, in the commission it says, Following the list of commandments that assure a fair and honest society, the Torah states that God's abhorrence for, such, for dishonesty goes so far that it is forbidden for a Jew even to own inaccurate weights and measures. So it's not just don't use them. It's don't even you have, have them. Have yeah, you, you, should have not, you shouldn't have them because if you have them, the implication is you have them for a reason. Exactly. What a day. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> just wait. Okay. There's an encore, you know. So I'm sure there is. So verse 17, remember what Amalek did you, to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget so it sounds contradictory. I know that was my first reaction, and um, the way that the way that okay, they. I guess I read that wrong. You shall blot it out, but not forget. Kind of no, that's what I just said. It seems contradictory, but what they what they um, talk about is it, it, they actually read it as a positive statement that you are to always remember. The evil, their evil deeds, their ambush, in order to inspire hatred of them. Um, by tradition, the sages derive that Amalek's treachery must be remembered orally and not be forgotten from the heart, for it is written to forget their, uh, for it is not be forgotten from the heart, for it is forbidden to forget their hatred and enmity. So in other words, you're not supposed to remember them as in this, like, like the whole, in fact, I think it was Roman was reading this earlier, this do in remembrance of me. You know, there, there are remembrances. There are things you're supposed to do in remembrance. There's, there are things you're supposed to, um, uh, you know, it says celebrate this day and, rem, you know, and remember these things. 
which is, and this would be the opposite of, you are not supposed to celebrate and, and you're not supposed to um, have this be a positive thing, but you are supposed to continually teach this, uh, that the idea of blotting out and wiping out or forgetting is, is the hatred part of it. It's like wiping out the, the name of Haman. You know, every time you, t you read the story of Esther, you are supposed to be doing it to remind everyone how evil Haman was and that, that you're not supposed to pursue him. You're not supposed to remember him. You know, it's, it's that if you, the idea that you could command somebody to forget something is silly. But when you think of them, what is it that, that your heart and your soul and your mind do in response to that? Is it an embracing and a, and a warm, loving thing that, yes, I want to pursue that and go in that direction? Or is it an abhorrence that you want to, to push it away and have it be, you know, be, be taught as a negative? It's, and so that's, that's how they, they take it, is that God's commanding us to... Um, Basically, to blot out any kind of celebration to to any anyone who might revere him or say, "Amalek wasn't that bad," you know. No, you want to blot that out. You want to you want to forbid that in your heart and in your children's hearts. You are to remember always that that was evil and that was wrong, and and not not cut him some slack. So Deuteronomy twenty six. There you go. Remember the Alamo. <laughs> read that this week. So when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there. A few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, give it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house, and moreover, I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment that you, that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. 
I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore... You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his rules and will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he promised you and that you are to keep all his commandments and that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above all nations that he has made and that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God, as he promised. So going into 1 Samuel, um, verse 11, or chapter 11, and we, we had Saul make king last time, and uh, they were warned, you know, Samuel warned them all, and they said, no, no, we want a king, so he said, okay. And we move forward, and I, I don't know when it stopped. Um, okay, so, but Nahash the Ammonite, okay, when, when the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people, and all the people wept aloud. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and Saul said, what is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh, and the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he, had, when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hand of the messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. When he mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. <clears throat> and they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Therefore, yeah, I think that's probably a bit of an understatement. <laughs> you can keep your right eyes. Therefore, the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will give ourselves up to you, and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. And the next day Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning, watch, <clears throat> and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. So basically they, they appeased, um, you know, the men and were like, okay, well, tomorrow, you know, tomorrow we'll surrender. So they had their guard down. They weren't expecting a fight. And then they came in in the morning. And they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day, and those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Um, and Samuel said, going to chapter 12, And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. 
And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Um, whose, or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me, and I will restore it to you. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. And Samuel said to the people, the Lord is witness who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and your father, for your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, and he sold them into the hands of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. So, so basically where we are now is, is Samuel comes up and he's like, okay, I'm old. We're near the end of my life. So you all testify before the Lord, have I wronged you in any way? And, you know, with, with the underlying idea there that if anybody has any offense there, he's trying to, you know, let, let's, let's make sure we're all good before each other, you know. And they're like, you have never wronged us. You've never done anything. It's all good. So he says, okay, now that you have testified before the Lord, that, that I am good, I have done my job, I have not wronged you in any way. Now, let me remind you of the Lord's goodness, because this is my last chance to tell you all and remind you all, and this is, you know, this is my job in this role. And, and he says, so, so he's telling them, you know, the Lord saved them and they forgot them. In verse 10, and they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbaal and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. And now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So in other words, you've testified I've done nothing wrong. I'm testifying that the Lord has done nothing wrong. But i got to also testify that you've done a lot wrong. <laughs> and so we're going to, you know, watch. If, if I, what I'm saying isn't true. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. 
And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. You, you do not turn aside from, uh, you have done all this evil. Do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. So, you know, don't be afraid for all you've done. God is faithful, you know, he's, he's, he's still taking care of you, but I'm telling you, stop doing the evil. If you don't stop doing the evil and you continue doing the evil, then you will reap the evil. And, and so, you know, forget, forget the past, it's done, it's taken care of. But going forward, you still have this choice before you. Could you please get on the right path? You know, <laughs> otherwise it will go poorly for you. And, and so, you know, we see over and over, you know, whatever prophet or whatever judge is there putting this before them. Okay, you have a choice now. And, and Samuel's telling them, you know, when I go, you're going to have a king. It's up to you. You and the king have to all, I mean, if the king doesn't follow the Lord, you're all doomed. But if the king's trying and you don't follow the Lord, you're still all doomed. So make sure you're holding the king accountable. Make sure, you, you know, make sure that, that you know, you're... That you're every everybody is so important, and this is why um, in in the rabbinic uh, requirements, the the king. I mean, there it is. It is derived from a command uh, in in the Torah about a king. But every it, the, every man was expected to write his own Torah scroll, and the king was was expected to write it twice. And the the idea was that he wrote it once for his own life, and then he wrote it a second time to remind him that everything he did affected everyone under him, everyone who he was king over. So, um, and, and, you know, you can pinpoint the, th the commands where David and <laughs> Solomon and, you know, you can go, oh, yeah, that one. And, and in fact, um, there, there, there's teaching that, because uh, when it said, you know, you shall have, like, a king shall not have many wives, there, there, there's a, a traditional a story that, that Solomon, when he was writing his scroll, changed it to too many wives <laughs> because he had many wives. And some might argue that the number was too many, but he was trying to kind of couch his behavior, give himself room for that area. So anyway, that, that is it for today. So I'll stop the recording. Um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. So I will stop this.